pour yourself a cold one and pull up a chair. We're kicking off Kayak Fishing Radio. It's Thursday night. I'm Chip Gibson, the tree hugger. And, and we got a show for you tonight. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, well, let's see. I think he's here. Let me cue his intro music. Where did it go? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Guess which one? The man with the golden voice, the one, the only, Mr. Craig Becker, Big Fly Reel. Are you there? I can't hear you. Oh, wait a minute. Now. Now. Yeah, there yeah, you go. See, that's, that's just the kind of mood I'm in, that laid back, have a good time <laughs> with the show. That's right. Chilling, chilling like a chilling. villain with my music. A little bit of Cavassier. Yeah. Got the red uh, smoking jacket on. I'm thinking a lot of Cavassier. A lot of Cavassier. <laughs> Any, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Everything All in right. excess. Moderation Absolutely. is for monks. Absolutely. And you made it into the studio tonight? I did. Uh, it's amazing what a little one will do. <laughs> I know, right? Not a very good hacker you are, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, hey, it's... Uh, man, we're... You would not know uh, that you were only a few days away from April if you were in Atlanta yesterday morning and uh, today because we started off yesterday morning at about 29 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, not Celsius, but uh, and this morning it was like 38 when I got up. I mean, I had already packed away my big coat. I was I was looking to you know wear my springtime shirts and stuff you know my my Columbia PFGs and stuff right you know yeah the long sleeve ones but nonetheless yeah I mean you know you have to be conscious of uh, sun sun uh, exposure and stuff like that but anyways how was your week man how's your weekend the past weekend. Uh, the past weekend wound up uh, wound up not involving angling. It wound up involving uh, doing stuff with my mom, who's down from New York, and uh, and my family. So that uh, that was a you good wound thing. up at the beach, didn't you? I <laughs> saw beach. Yeah. I, I did indeed wind up at the beach. Did you at least like look for fishes and stuff? I mean, you didn't even you couldn't sneak a a. a, a a uh, surf rod in the back of the car when you went out there or anything like that? I, I could have, but I had uh, twisted my, my back and my shoulder up a little bit, so I decided uh, that uh, discretion being the better part of valor, I would play the dutiful son, husband, and father roles and uh, pretend to enjoy myself. Right, right. Got the board shorts and everything like that? Uh, I, I did not, actually. No? I, I, didn't, no. I didn't go that far. <laughs> All right. Well, we're. Uh, I'm not going to mention the F word this week. Hopefully, try to hold me to that because appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to try to sneak up on it. So, but anyways, hey. So um, this week we've uh, we've got a treat. The uh, president of Yak Gear, uh, key. Uh, Key fellow there, Bill Bragman is joining us tonight. Let me say, let me get him out of the green room. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Chip. Thank you, Greg. Absolutely, a pleasure to have you here. 
You guys know each other, I think. We've met once or twice. Uh huh. And and Bill, there's an invasion going on. Is it an invasion or is it just uh, just a just a easing of a uh, kind of a friendly relationship building? The Vikings are arriving on the coast. Um. Yeah, we did a uh, announcement last week that the Vikings are coming, and uh-huh. um, I, I had the pleasure of. Uh, because of our relationship with Railblazer, and um, I was able to meet the owner and president of Viking Kayak New Zealand, which is different from Viking Kayak Australia last year at OR. And we just, at that point, we started some conversations about his kayaks, and he was real excited about, you know, where where they were going and how they're refocusing what they're doing and some of the new models that were coming out. And I was in New Zealand actually three weeks ago, and uh, we finalized everything, and uh, we formally announced last week that the Vikings are coming. And uh, really excited about it. Some great designs for kayaks. Um, you know, a little bit different from what's going on in the industry today. Uh, they're a little slimmer, uh, lighter. Uh, they're a true paddler's kayak, but we're really excited about it. And so uh, when you when you pass the word to us, we did a little research, you know, I noticed that when you Google Viking kayaks, you get one from Australia and one from New Zealand. Is there a difference in the two, or are they? There are. The, um, the New Zealand version, um, people may remember maybe three to five years ago, uh, there was actually a Viking Kayak Australia uh, distributor. And their boats are a little bit broader, um, and they were initially, when they were brought to the U.S., they were all rigged with trolling motors. Um, and that's because in Australia they paddle very differently than the way they do in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand being more of a volcanic island. So you go 30 feet off the shoreline in New Zealand, and you're already in 30 feet of water. You go a half a mile out, you're in 50 to 80 feet of water. So whereas Australia is probably similar to the way we fish here a lot of times, and it has more inland waterways and such. And, uh, you know, the trend here, which they picked up in Australia, uh, was a little bit wider boat, um, and then also they're doing the trolling motors. Uh, but the New Zealand marketplace is still uh, very paddle, true paddle-oriented. Right. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people, the ocean kayak line that was being made in New Zealand, um, you know, those boats are very paddle-oriented, you know, low-slung seating, uh, thigh supports built into the kayaks themselves, and that's what Viking has done, and then taken it to the next level as well. Right. And it, it it's kind of has some uh, some design qualities like a surf ski or something like that, because, I mean, they've got a, they've got a big uh, covered bow and a nice entry on the bow and stuff like that. Yeah, what, what they've done is that, you know, a surf ski almost being a flat-type boat, um, where, what, where Viking New Zealand has, has really done a magnificent job, it follows more of the tradition of kayaks that we used to see here, you know, six, eight years ago. Um, the old Tarpon series, the Scupper Pro, uh, even the Prowler now. So whereas the Stealth is a flatter deck boat, um, the 
<clears throat> Reload, which is their 15-foot, 14-foot, 7-inch boat, uh, and even the 400, uh, both of them are more traditional styling of what we expect here. But because you as the paddler are sitting back down into the boat really creates a lot of stability. One thing they've also done is because of how the bow flare is designed, um, when, you're, when you're going into a chop or, you know, a wave, the boat actually is going to ride over it to allow your forward momentum, whereas some of the boats now don't have that, and which means that the nose of the boat or the bow of the boat is going to bury into the wave. Um, right. They, um, one of the uh, ambassadors for Viking is a gentleman named Jason Milne, and you can, he's known as Paddle Guy, and he thinks it's fun to go out in four to six foot waves. And, and take his kayak out, fight the surf, and come back in that way. And, um, you know, and you notice more and more when you see their waters and the pictures of a lot, a lot of times what they're doing, they think nothing of going out in two to threes. And that's just a normal day to them because they're on the Pacific Ocean. And with the way New Zealand uh, is set up as, as a volcanic-type island, they're in deep water with high waves pretty quickly. Right. So they have to design a kayak that, that does that. But on the other end, the tracking capability, the secondary stability, the primary stability of the kayak is really, really nice. It's uh, the, the stern actually looks uh, kind of reminds me like of an old double ender. You know, it's kind of a kind of a pretty nautical design there and it looks like it would provide a lot of a lot of tracking capability. It does. Um, one of the things, too, which is really nice about the boat, you know, the true width of the boat is where you're sitting. And um, my normal paddle trips here in the States are, let's say, three miles to five miles on a given day because it's, you know, it's, it's inland waterways and you're stopping and you're fishing and sometimes I get out to wade fish and such. I had the pleasure of going out with Jason Mill and also Stephen Tapp, who is one of the co-designers of the Reload. And we paddled 21 miles in five hours. And we stopped and fished a lot along the way. So the speed of the boat, um, the stability of it, how it feels on the water, it, it, it was truly a very, very different feel for me uh, versus the other boats that I've paddled in the last two to three years. Right. You got your uh, your windows rolled down there, man? Getting a lot of background me? noise. Yeah. Uh, no, they're they're rolled up. I'm sorry about that. Oh, okay. No, no worries. Hang on a second. Let me test and see here something. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... No, nah, no problem. Um, It could just be uh, the Skype connection or the, the connection into the studio. Well, that's really cool, man. And so now you guys are going to have... You guys are going to be the exclusive uh, uh, dealers for uh, Viking Kayaks. It's going to come through uh, yakgear.com. We're going to be the distributors. We're actually okay. not going to physically sell the boats. Um, okay. The uh, Austin Kayak, um, uh-huh. office in uh, Austin, Texas. They have five locations. Okay. Um, we'll actually we'll actually have the boats uh, first, and um, they have demo days coming up um, the weekend of April fifth, sixth, and then also April twelfth and thirteenth in the Houston area where I am. And the Viking kayaks are going to be there for customers to come by and paddle them and 
uh, see how they do and, the, and all the versatility of them. And then, um, and then sometime mid-May, we're thinking the first week of May they'll arrive. And then also we're going to be adding Waterman's Depot, uh, which is out in the Laguna Beach area in California. And they're going to be picking up the line by the end of May. Uh, we're going to be adding, we're already in conversations with two or three other dealers. Um, but we're going to keep it a very exclusive brand. Um, if you looked at a year from now, we're thinking that six dealers in a well-positioned in the United States, uh, a couple on the East Coast, one in the Gulf Coast, two on the West Coast, um, and make it really a special boat like it is. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the neat things you know, about the reload is, is that they have what's called a tackle pod, which is a totally removable center hatch area where on a lot of kayaks, that's just dead space, um, where their center console, so to speak, is. So you'll be able to put all your electronics in this tackle pod, still have room for a lot of your tackle gear, um, and then at the end of the day, grab it, pull it out, put it in your vehicle so that when you're actually carrying the kayak around, the reload weighs only 62 pounds. Nice. 400 weighs 52 pounds. Um, and it's just amazing. I've, I've got them on a trailer. I'm, I have the honor of going up to the Heroes on the Water convention in Dallas for the weekend, and I'm bringing them there. And it's been the first boat that I could actually put on top of the trailer by myself. Um, so that, that in itself has been great. So, uh, but Very they, good. Uh, their, their accessories are really different as well. The boats are going to come in pretty well stripped. Um, so... There's not going to be any rod holders on it, but the customer can decide where they want to place their rod holders. Um, the hatches that they use, uh, Viking uses a very special design of a bucket hatch, which, different from the cat bag design, this bucket hatch is totally waterproof. Um, and that's one of the things, when you're going out in rough water and there's water constantly splashing over the bow and on the deck, you don't want things leaking. Um, Really, really a neat design. It, it does look like that, and I did have in my notes here to make sure that we that we mention the tackle pod because that is a there's a very cool uh, concept there about being able to just snap one in, and so I guess there would be an option to have have one or more of those things along in with your kit to, to just be able to snap that rascal in and out. That's pretty cool. Well, if you start. Yeah, if you start looking at what some of the customers are already doing, um, when I was in New Zealand, they had taken a uh, Minn Kota 36, taken the head off, pushed it up through the tackle pod, put the head back on, put the battery in the tackle pod, and now they had a trolling motor in the tackle pod. So, the, so, when, you pull, um, so when you pull the tackle pod out, you can it's it, it's open to the water underneath. Yes, sir. Uh huh. Oh, the cool. um, you actually can um, um, transducer mounts uh, go right underneath of the tackle pod. So when you decide to take your electronics, the transducer comes off, the uh, screen comes off, the battery comes out, so everything is all one solid piece. Um, and it's really, really a neat thing. Um, we watched um, um, one of the managers at the ACK store was really excited because he saw on the Viking website how they had done the, tra the Dragonfly transducer. And it's long enough to fit that 8-inch transducer. Wow. 
Wow. Very cool. And I bet that was yep. that was Jaron Wassel, wasn't it? <laughs> well, actually, that that was Andrew. So it was Andrew. Okay, uh, I was going to. Andrew, that was Andrew my second is, guess. Uh, Andrew Andrew still gets to re, uh, drill holes in kayaks, which is a passion of his. <laughs> right. But um, if you look at the interesting thing is if you look at other posts, there are already people because of the way the tackle pot is designed, turning it into a live well. Yes. Um, so one of the things I found interesting in New Zealand, um, people here in the States like to put a milk crate behind them, the black pack, so that a lot of their gear is behind them. And they don't ever do that in New Zealand. Everything is in front of you. And the only thing behind you is either your fish bag or the new chill pod that Viking has designed that fits into the tank well area. Right. So that your rods, your gear, and everything that you're going for and grabbing for, and that's why the tackle pot is so large. It's probably got a four-and-a-half to five-gallon capacity or very close to that. So you can imagine how many small tackle trays you can put in there. Uh, you can easily put a 12-amp battery in there all the way up in the front, um, and they actually make a bracket to suspend a battery in the tackle pot. Um, Really, really neat, innovative things. Um, their rudder is very different also. The rudder does not go down below the keel of the boat. So when you get in very skinny water, if you're using the boat in inshore situations, as long as the boat is floating, you're still ruddering. And huh. the blade width is about two and a half times longer than the traditional rudder that you see, so it still moves water and the boat turns on a dime. Uh, it's, it's very cool looking. I like the chill pod. I like the, the tackle pod has a little cutting board on it. That's very cool. Yep. Um, yeah. And then they, I, just the, the site is very comprehensive. It's very cool. And, you know, I mean, we, uh, we competed. Mr. Becker and I were down in Flamingo, down in the Everglades, uh, couple weeks back in the adventure fishing world championship and the year prior all the folks that competed left there going my gosh you got to have a boat with pedals and you know what this year if you had pedals you'd probably only use them about maybe 30 percent of the time because the water dumped out of the everglades and we were all running around in grass hanging up on everything so hobies Propel units, they were all getting full of grass. You couldn't use them. Everybody was paddling or poling. So uh, folks who look at a, at a boat that's just a paddle boat is like, well, there's still a, there's still a requirement for it, you know. And actually, some of the things I, I know Andrew and Jaron think that that uh, Viking is a very cool boat because they, they like to go offshore. Those guys are always out there. Uh, beat to the waves, man. The, um, it's, it's become my enjoyment as well. Um, it's just a whole, obviously the fish are bigger. Um, it, it's just a whole different thing versus marsh fishing. Like, you know, I was I did for probably eight years. Right. Um, you know, what, one thing interesting about the, both the Reload and the 400 is their weight capacities. Um, you know, both boats, even though they're 29 and a half, 30 and a half inches, you know, you're looking at 400-pound weight capacities in them um, yeah. because of the design of the boat. Um, Does this kayak which, make me look fat? 
Uh, no, actually, it'll make you look slim, Greg. Nice. I appreciate that. I'll take two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, their their colors are also, uh, we're having a lot of fun with that as well. Um, the the reload's going to uh, come in two colors. Uh, we call it gray mist. Uh, the black starts in the back and turns gray like a granite effect going to a white, almost a white effect in the front. It's also going to come in, in what we call a, a, almost like a tequila sunrise, which will be black in the back going to orange. The 400 will be in the uh, lime mist, which is the brighter green going to black. And then uh, what a lot of guys call yellow jacket, which is yellow going to the black. Um, and it was the first time I had ever seen kayaks being rotomolded, and it was without a doubt one of the most interesting things that I had ever seen. So. That is cool. I was uh, at another manufacturer a few weeks back, and they were just pulling some kayaks out of the molds, and that's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, you you have this mental impression of you know sort of what rota molding is, and they uh-huh. say it you know rotates. Well, it it you know grass could grow almost as fast as it takes to <laughs> rotate these boats. And, you know, it's a very, very slow process. It's, it's, you know, I think it's 20 to 30 minutes that it's in the mold. And the mold's rocking back and forth as well as turning over. And uh, it's, it was really interesting to see how they were doing that. And then the tackle pot is rotomolded. The chill pot is rotomolded. Um, so it's uh, neat. And, and the materials that they're using um, is... The polyethylene, they're mixing it with a, with a, you know, I like to call it special blend uh, because the boats come out being, a lot of ways, 20 to 30 pounds lighter than boats in that same length and width category. Right. Very interesting. Very cool. Well, I look forward to maybe getting an opportunity to paddle one if you're, if you happen to come through and, and we can hook up. That would be really cool. In fact, there's got a little pond just down the road here so uh but uh very cool as as you, very cool well, as long as you promise it won't snow and it's warm it it, it should be i i think by the time you get here i, I i'm i'm not going to guarantee anything though this winter has been really dicey but and definitely after the uh austin kayak demo days we'll have to get you on tuesday night with jaron and andrew and uh and uh have a discussion about how that went see kind of what the people thought of it and stuff like that so but so very cool so viking kayaks are coming to the states is there going to be how long do you think before they'll actually be kind of in stock and all because i mean they're being shipped from new zealand right the um the shipment's supposed to um leave there april 9th uh it's roughly about 30 days on the water to uh, the port of houston so we should be able to have them uh, in the Austin stores by, I'd say, the 14th to 15th of May. Um, we're going to try to get a, a, you know, sooner if possible. Uh, but that's a pretty good target date. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Very neat. So now, if you don't mind, we'd like to shift gears just a little bit and have you talk to us sure. a little bit about about yakgear.com and yakgear and I mean. I see your products in uh, 
some of the big box stores, and you're, you know, we we see your products just about everywhere. We see Austin Kayak and something like that. So, tell us about how Yak Gear came about and stuff. What got you into the to to the industry? Um, it started. I've been paddling a little over ten years, and my son and I um, started paddling back then. We had, uh, if you remember, the Perception Bimini kayaks. Yeah. And I, I loved, I've always been a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer, actually a lot of a do-it-yourselfer. I, I do my own work at the house, like, you know, building furniture and things like that. And so it became a natural. And I would look online at, you know, things people were doing to kayaks, and I would mimic it on my kayak. And, um, and I found, amazingly, that you could buy the product, a flush mount here, but they didn't carry the correct nuts and bolts and screws to do it. And then you had to go somewhere else, and then you had to look online on how to install it. So what we've done is is we've created a, a line of products, and, and right now it's about 140 products, that when you buy the accessory, it comes with all the possible mounting hardware that you'll need. It's all in the same kit. And when you flip the package over, it gives you the installation instructions. So when you're in a retail store, you can make an educated decision whether that's something I can do or not do. And gosh, I didn't realize it was this easy. Um, or you can make a decision to let the, the store do it for you if you're not comfortable drilling a hole in your kayak. Um, but um, I was at a tournament and it was sponsored by Academy way back when. Uh-huh. And the buyer was there and he looked at my kayak and he said, neat stuff. Where'd you get it? And I said, I've done it all. He said, I'd like to see what you do. So I went home, I designed a logo, created a little website, um, made 10 different kits and went to see him and he bought them all. And prior to that, I was running the service department at a, at a major car dealership in Houston. And so I came home, told my wife, I'm quitting. And uh, that started it all. And, you know, right now we're in uh, almost 2,000 stores across the United States, whether it be a lot of the major sporting goods stores or even the specialty stores. Um, we're with, not only with the gear products, but we've also picked up Railblazer. We distribute fish grips. Um, and now the Viking kayak line. Uh, we distribute ribs. Uh, so we have a product assortment of over 250 products, um, and we're adding new products. We have this year we've really gone heavy into nighttime safety by creating some great lighting products to go out in the evening with, um, and we're working on a few more things that would just will complement the line. Uh, hopefully, I'll be sharing them in iCast and uh, OR this year. Nice. You should be seeing some folks at, from. Uh, you'll probably be seeing uh, Chuck and, well, I know Jaron and them. They'll all be down there and stuff. So that would be very cool. Uh, yep. And speaking of lights, and that has to do with electricity, we're going to move into our Tech Talk portion of the show now. Let me get the intro music playing up here. Door comes up, you know, some mechanical stuff. Watch your head. Yeah. So tech Tech Talk. Put that, put that golden voice to use there, Mr. Becker, man. Give us some intro, man. Tech talk. 
I was going to do a Pee Wee Herman thing, but I, I just couldn't get it, uh, couldn't get just it together. Just get it going, right? Welcome to Tech Talk. Okay. Welcome to Tech Talk. Yeah, welcome to Tech Talk. So, Bill, you said you're a handyman and all. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been talk. We've been from uh, from a recommendation, and we started including a technical section onto our show. Uh, we started off with uh, batteries and what kind of battery you needed, and so we went through that, and we talked about 12 volts and. 7 amps and 10 amps and 12 amps and all that, you know, try to convince folks that they don't need the big giant trolling motor from the bass boat in their kayak, that they could run their fish machine with a little battery. And then we talked about wiring and stuff and, and how wiring and salt water and even fresh water don't tend to mix real well. Electricity and water don't mix. But uh, bottom machines and mountain transducers and stuff. But because you were here this week... We thought we'd wait and talk about lights because that's a kind of a new thing that I'm seeing on a lot of kayaks now, especially the guys who like to go out and do the docks and and uh, hit the grass beds at night. And you guys have got some products about it. Tell us about your tell us about lights on kayaks, man. How did you come about talking doing that? Um, one of the things about uh, Texas is you know it, it doesn't spare the heat in the summer, so you know, during the day, it's 95, humidity is unbelievable. So I found a lot of kayakers were going out in the evening. Um, one of our focuses has always been safety. Um, and hey, well, make sure you get a helmet so we, on there. <laughs> yeah. Motorcycle came and, uh, and And, I mean, personally, I'm a life vest guy. I, I like wearing one when I'm out there, and it's just for those just-in-case times. Um, Amen, brother. But yeah. when – when you're out at night, um, you know, you're in a kayak, and typically you're fishing shallow areas. And so the, the only way a boat's going to be in that area is if it's up on full plane. And I've always been a big believer that the brighter the light, the more visible you're going to be. So we worked with Railblazer uh, this year to bring out their uh, brand-new visibility light. Uh, using Cree LEDs, got 120 lumen light, works on three AA batteries, uh, has a lifetime of, they tout 20 hours. We've actually run it for 45 to 50 hours off the same charge, uh, but it's visible at two nautical miles, and it's going to be Coast Guard approved probably in the next probably 45 days as a true marine stern light. Um, we also found that not only for that, but when you go out at night, especially in our areas, mosquitoes are horrible. But a lot of guys are wearing headlights, which is attracting the bugs right to your face. So we designed what we call the Lumina LED outdoor activity light. Really, really neat round light using, once again, LEDs. And it has a white or amber mode, uh, but it has nine different modes. And you can mount this right in the middle of your kayak to light up the entire deck uh, of your kayak, but it also doubles in the fact that you can use it because it goes into a flashlight mode. It's got a magnet on the back. You can put it on the side of your vehicle while you're unloading or, or at night. Um, it goes into amber mode. We've had some uh, deer hunters tell us that it would be perfect for their deer blind. Um, it's got a little hole in it so you could actually hang it up in your camping tent. It's a really versatile, versatile light that we made two ways. One is a rechargeable, and the other is a battery version. 
Um, but it's great for lighting up the inside of your kayak. Um, we've also come out with strip lights for the side, what we call visibility lights, but they'll also attract uh, fish. And that's been in the marketplace, um, and we've decided to use blue because it is more visible. Um, it cuts through um, mist and haze a little bit easier than the green does, but it will still attract fish or fisher in that area. And one of the exciting products uh, we also came out with this year is the Lumina LED Floodlight. It's a six Cree flood that we've partnered with Railblazer. So the kit comes with the ability to swivel it 360 and mounts in and out of a starport very easily. Uh, it's got a waterproof quick connect on it so that you can take the entire light off and use that starport during the day for another feature like a rod holder or, or a mobile device holder. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of people uh, looking at those lights and already starting to purchase almost the entire kit so that they can go out at night and, and feel safer on the water. I want me a couple of those six Cree floodlight things to put on the front of my Propel, man, so I can be pedaling out and everybody <laughs> think that I'm think I'm a car coming across the water. <laughs> hey, Bill, a question, question for you, Bill. And a couple of the uh, couple of the lights you talked about are battery powered. I know the the visibility light. Uh, I've had the opportunity to play with the uh, the alkaline version of that, and you say there's a rechargeable version of that also. The cockpit light you talked about is that uh, individual cell powered, or does that have to be hardwired into the boat? No, that's uh, um, it, it comes in a rechargeable version, and it also comes in a, uh, a battery version where you put in a CR123 battery. Okay. What, one of the things we found is, is the more lighting and electronics that people are using is that it's eating up your battery power. So by having all of this stuff potentially run on a 12-volt, 7.2, 8-amp battery, the next thing you know to be out seven, eight, nine hours on the water with all of this lighting, you would need to jump to a 12, 18-amp battery. And that's a big so battery. Right. And we sort of pulled back a little bit on that uh, just because of, you know, having the ability for the, for the puck light that goes, you know, as, as a deck lighting, internal lighting, that you can recharge it. Wow. So on the way out to your trip, you plug it into your cigarette lighter. You can, you can, it has a USB port, it has a wall charger, so you can charge it three different ways, but it's not feeding off of your battery, which you're trying to use for your depth finder. Um, the stern light, the visibility uh, kit light from Railblazer works on three double A's, and the fact that it will run for 40 hours or more. Um, right. so you're and, getting and by the way, and that, that is crazy bright. I mean, when I first got yes. that, you know, I, I didn't do the, hey, let's look at the flashlight thing but fired that up, and for a couple of minutes, I was pretty sure that I could cancel the appointment for the laser surgery for the for the <laughs> eye correction thing because I was fairly certain that my retinas were secure for the rest of my life and that uh, any cataract <laughs> I might have developing had been uh, vaporized. That is a very, yeah. very bright light. It's it's a really, really neat piece. And, and, you know, to be – it was approved by the Coast Guard as far as the two nautical mile limit. Um, there's a couple other things that we have to do uh, to it uh, to make it useful on, on sailboats, but that's not a kayak issue. Um, right. You know, the neat thing about it is is that that Kelly pole during the day, if you just so wanted to, you could put the Railblazer camera mount on it and then put your GoPro on it. So right. you can retask all the Railblazer products to do a lot more than just one thing. You can buy a, a platform mount to go on top of there and stuff. Um, but 
it's a uh, it's been uh, you know our relationship with Railblazer has been absolutely wonderful. The the U.S. Um, public has received it very well. Uh, neat products and uh, and such. So we wanted to take a little bit of that power out of the wiring type thing um, because the more wires you run from the front of the boat where your battery is all the way to the back, you know, the moisture and condensation alone that builds up in the middle of your kayak, you know, that that's going to start rotting the wires over a period of time, even if you don't get regular water in your boat. So by having all of your battery for your electronics, more for your sounder depth finder type thing all up in front uh, makes it a lot easier. You're using less wiring. Uh, and, and I think it'll make all everything longer lasting as, as, uh, as a rule anyway. And, and I don't think anybody liked fishing wires all the way from the front of a 16-foot kayak all the way to the back. So Yeah, it's, it's not a fun adventure. But you said the, the blue lights you have, uh, are they also yeah. runnable from a battery pack, or do they require a, uh, a larger uh, battery source, not necessarily for current, but just because of the uh, connection issues? Yeah, the connection issues right now are to a um, like a 12 volt gear feeder or, or you know that type of battery. Right. Um, we are working now uh, to try to create a so you know a small above deck battery system, so that you won't even have to wire that into that battery, and you won't have to go into the hull to even mount these lights. And and we're hoping we're going to have that ready for um, outdoor retailer as well. Um, and so that those, it'll be a very, very small, those only draw maybe about 0.6 amps. So, you know, we could have a 4 to 5 amp power source that's rechargeable sitting on the top deck that's not obtrusive, and you can pop that out once again. We want to be able to use the same charger that we're using for our, uh, the Lumina LED, you know, uh, cockpit light, uh, so that it really gives the customer a lot of versatility as far as what they can do. So, Right. Uh, you giving any thought to mounting, being able to mount that uh, that battery system in a starport? We are we are definitely working on that. Um, because that's I I've had to one of the things that uh, you know you you know you helped me set up my the layout on uh, on my new Slayer Propel 13 with uh, some Railways accessories, and I've I've very much been impressed with uh, not only the versatility of the starport itself but of the accessory line that's out there. Um, you know, there are others that have been around for a long time and, you know, not to bang anybody else's on the head, but the accessory line that is growing and that continues to grow um, with uh, Railblazer and with the Starport accessories is pretty impressive, and they work very well. Yeah, we um, um, and there's, there's probably half a dozen products that we haven't even, if you look on the Railblazer page, you're going, oh, I want one of those. Um, they make a brand-new piece called a Stowpod. Uh, which is sort of a cup holder, coffee holder, fishing lure hanger um, that we've, we had uh, uh, four brought in, and our brand ambassadors who had Hobie Pro Anglers, all of them immediately wanted to install it on the handles on the outside um, and, and to use it that way. And um, Railblazer's working on a few new products now, um, and it should be really interesting uh, what we have going on probably in the next you know, 60 to 90 days uh, that we'll be bringing out under the Railblazer line. Okay, I like that. I can put my coffee in that thing. I want one. <laughs> the, um, there, yeah, I don't got uh, no cup holders on my on my boat, and so I need I need 
I need a stove pod. That looks good. Yep. The um, but um, you know, going back to the electricity, the whole electricity thing. It's it's, um, you know, when I was in New Zealand, a lot of these guys are using eight inch, ten inch screens, and those are drawing a lot of power. Um, and and when you talk with them, they don't want anything else hooked up to their battery, drawing the power down. Uh, right. So even an eight amp an eight amp battery, a ten amp battery, it's only going to give you four hours. And they're out. Um, Stephen Tapp, who's who used to be with Ocean, is now with Viking. Um, he goes out for three days at a time. He goes. I te- he does volcano island hopping. He calls it. And they paddle out. 10, 15 miles, camp out on a beach. The next day, do another 22 miles, camp out on night at a beach. So obviously they don't have a power source. Um, And even with solar power, it's a trickle charge. So it's not really totally charging it. So as little as possible that's on your main power source, uh, the better. Um, And, you know, also these batteries aren't inexpensive. They're not outrageously expensive. Uh, But if you have everything on your boat, is powered off of that one battery, you're looking at a short life or having to buy two or three different batteries to power everything, and then you're talking four to seven pounds of battery, uh, right. which is adding additional weight every single time. It does, and so you got to make you got to make some choices, right? Right, and that's mm-hmm. why it was important with our lighting that it, that we go back to traditional battery sources. You know the the buy it at Home Depot, buy it at Walgreens type batteries, or, which had not been really done before, is the rechargeables. Right. No, that's that's cool. All right. So that sounds, I, I think that, uh, I, I'd i like to see, I'd like to, uh, I, I've only done a few night trips, uh, and uh I guess it's because I didn't feel very comfortable not having the right visibility equipment. You know, I had I had a, a light and a headlamp and that kind of thing, but the options now are such that I think I could probably light my boat up enough that I would be comfortable out there at night. Because like you say, the, the only motorboats that are going to be where I'm at are going to be those ones that are up on a plane, and they're going to have a hard time seeing me unless I'm lit up. Well, and last time I checked, they don't have brakes. No, so, uh-uh. you know, a boat, <clears throat> boat at 30 miles an hour takes a couple hundred yards to come to a total stop. Um, Jaron had um, uh, had come to the shop, and we um, mounted uh, on his black pack. We did one of the telepoles and put the new Lumina LED floodlight on top of it, so they could just reach back and, and flip it on. And he went out in the intercoastal canal, which is 40 to 50 yards wide and turned it on, and it lit up side to side, probably 40 to 50 yards in front of them. Nice. Very nice. One of the things that we wanted to accomplish with the light is that it was important that it swiveled 360 and pivoted 180 degrees. And we did that because flounder gigging and flounder fishing in Texas is is really big and all up and down the coast, um, you know, from Florida on. So you're going to be able to set up you know, close to the shoreline, take the light, pivot it down in the water, and do a little flounder gigging if that's legal. Um, if not, flounder fishing against the, you know, the the, the weed beds and things like that. Um, so it, it was, uh, we, we played with the light for a while, the design of it, uh, to make sure that it does, 
you know, what we wanted it to do. And uh, the neat thing about the Cree technology is the fact that it only draws 1.4 amps per hour. Right. So even if you're only using, you know, an 8-amp or a 10-amp battery, you're going to get, with your depth finder, a good four hours of light um, if you ran it simultaneously, and most people won't. You know, they'll use it for 30 to 45 minutes, turn it off, and do some other things. Um, so it should, you know, unless you left it on the entire time, you should be able to use it, you know, on and off for about an 8, eight to 10-hour period off of one battery source. There it is. Yeah, it sounds like, a, sounds like a great addition to the lineup for sure. So, very cool. All right, so that's going to... That's going to take it for, I think that was an excellent tech talk for this week. And uh, that'll, I don't know, next week we'll we'll come up with something new and different. It'll be Mr. Becker's turn to come up with an idea. <laughs> nice. But yeah, uh, awesome. So lights, electricity, um, and if you're listening to the podcast and you got a got a recommendation, send us an email here. I'm Chip at kayakfishingradio.com, and I can take the mail there, and we'll we'll get it on. But uh, Bill, man, that that uh, we appreciate your your time and having and you coming on to the show. We're gonna we're coming up on the top of the hour here. Let me bring in my other bud here from New Jersey. He's probably thawed out now from coming in from the cold. Hey, Matt. Matt, are you there? Hey, Chip. Sorry, I had to run to the phone. I didn't know you were going to bring me on tonight. <laughs> I, had it, I had it on speaker, but uh, I'm here now. <laughs> okay. Thanks for having so me on. So how's it the going? A couple of minutes you have left. Uh, no worries, man. We've had Bill Bragman from yakgear.com, and he's been talking about Viking kayaks and, and some of the uh, some of the, the railblazer and interesting stuff, man, so... Uh, yeah, I heard that. I can't wait for Bill to, to uh, develop the surround sound system for the for the kayak next. Sooner, sooner than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a Bluetooth system that you could put a pod in each one of those railblazer things, you know, and sync it up to your phone. That would be pretty oh, cool. Oh yeah. Sooner than you think. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I the non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, non-disclosure <laughs> agreement, right? Um, but. Uh, you know another thing that is that has really come out and and I I thank Bill for stepping up to the plate and 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 telling me I needed one of these bad bears but uh Greg and I uh were both down at AFWC like I said earlier on the show and we no kidding man I was just getting ready to pull out of the driveway and the UPS guy pulled up behind me and dropped off the uh the sea tug so I managed to get it just as I was leaving. To, I, I thought I was going to be disappointed, but it, it got there right as we were leaving the drive. Took it down, actually pulled it out of the box and put it together. Uh, and man, that is a great piece of gear. Took no time it's to put a, it together uh, either, did it? No. no, not at all. And I'll tell you what, we were we were definitely the envy of uh, a whole bunch of other guys who didn't realize that they were going to have to carry their boats 125 yards from the parking lot for the launch. Uh, and, you know, if they didn't have a little tailwheel, and they, you know, not many other guys had uh, you know, decent carts that could carry the boats. And uh, I, I don't think we had any problem at all going from pavement to uh, grass to 
so sand. We need, to bush, we need to bush hog this so people can get through it, but we'll leave yeah. the grass here. We had some of that, and then uh, and then the sand at the end, uh, you know, the, the CTEG just took it all, and it was really, really impressive. We're very much uh, very big fans, and we understand there's some uh, additional developments coming down the pike with that as well. So we'll look forward to yeah. seeing and talking yeah, about we're, those. Uh, we're playing with a couple additional accessories for it, and... Um, you know, the nice thing about the sea tug is it has a 300-pound weight capacity. And <clears throat> when you're looking at your cart and which one you want to use, um, you know, a lot of the carts out there, good carts, um, have a 125-pound weight capacity. But if your boat is, you know, 100 pounds by the time you put your milk crate or, or on it and such, then you're almost maxing out the weight, and, and the axles are not going to last long. So you're putting 90% of the weight onto the capability of that cart, whereas with Sea Tug, because it has a 300-pound weight capacity, if your boat's 100 pounds, you're only, you know, using 30% of the capacity. So you're going to get a lot more longevity out of the cart. Um, and, you know, a couple of years ago, they had pneumatic wheels, which, you know, they, they had an issue with and they understood it, and so they redesigned and came out with the new hard Kiwi wheels, which have made all the difference in the world. Um, they'll never go flat, obviously, because they're a, a, a hard material. But they do have a rubber around the dead middle of it, which allows you to ride smoothly on pavement. Yep. Um, so it's a. Um, uh, it's been a really good relationship with us once again. Railblazer bought Sea Tug um, at the end of, uh, towards the end of last year, middle of last year. Um, and uh, we we sell quite a few of them. Um, I think today we shipped about 60 of them out the door to different shops around the country. Um, and we primarily, with SeaTug, we focus on the Gulf Coast area because there is another dealer up in the northwest, um, and, and Peter handles a lot of that area as well. So we primarily do, um, you know, our area, uh, which is the Gulf Coast area for SeaTugs. Well, I'll tell you, man, that I have a pile of junk kayak carts in my backyard, and they will just rot there now because with the sea tug, I mean, and we're, you know, Greg and I are both fishing out of uh, native propels, and that boat is 100 pounds without anything else on it. Once you put the drive on it and the chair and everything, I mean, that's a 100-pound boat. And when you put your your crate in it and all the stuff and and mr becker has a couple of suitcases that he puts on his (laughs) it's more of a sea trunk type of thing which uh oh okay yeah uh, yeah, that's right i'm grateful for the site yeah it's you know yeah still and his and his uh is a great card i I can i can give you a good testimonial i'm going on my fourth season with it or third season i think it's the third season with it and uh hasn't failed me yet i I love that card it's great 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 card best one i've ever had the, um, one of the, you know, and you talk about 125 yards or, you know, a quarter of a mile or half a mile, whatever, and the, um, the neat thing is is that you walk that distance and then you just take it apart and you put it in your front hatch, whereas yeah. with some of the carts, now you've got to walk all the way back um, to your car to put them there, or, you know, you turn it over and can put it in the scupper holes, but then it's blocking your access to the back tank well. So the Sea Tug gives you the best of a lot of different worlds. And, you know, it's not unusual in the Texas coast. You know, there's a lot of places to launch. But, 
you go to a normal boat launch and you're going to walk 250 yards, you know, with your kayak and no reason to make three trips. You just rig it out totally by your vehicle, you know, on the sea tug, pick it up. And one of the things that I didn't even know this is that, <clears throat> and the guys were telling me, you want to position the sea tug like literally right under your seat. And, and that will give you, because that's like the, the heaviest point of the kayak with the milk crate behind you and such, it also makes the straps work a lot better so that it's grabbing the widest part of the boat right there. Now it's it, it is just a it's a great piece of gear, and I I know that the people who borrowed ours <laughs> during AFWC are probably yeah, right. some of the folks who have ordered them because uh, they're just and I, I like you say they're they're easily taken apart, put back together. I mean they're very durable. Um, yeah, it's probably probably be uh, getting another one here after this next yeah, well, trip that we take. Cause, <laughs> I was gonna say if uh, if if my my partner in the AFWC had had uh, a sea tug uh, instead of the other car he had, our strategy for the for the AFWC concerning the portage would have been entirely different. Definitely, uh, I'll tell you that right now. So, so Bill, yeah. when the uh, when the update to the wheels, and I won't steal the thunder, but when the uh, the sand wheels uh, are out and available, maybe you can come back on and talk about those for a few minutes. We'll we'll do a a tech talk section on carts and moving your boat. Absolutely. Yeah, with the uh, the wheels for the seat tug, I'm I'm gonna paint my spokes chrome, so it's gonna look like real rims. Nice. I was gonna get spinners on mine, but I, I hadn't figured out how to do it yet. To go with you, the can, you, can add, you can do the little curb feelers coming off of it also. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. All right. So uh, we get to a point where we're we're here at the top of the hour now. Bill, again, man, really thanks a lot for for coming in and talking to us about the Viking kayaks, about uh, yak gear, and and the uh, joining us for tech talk and talking uh, lights and stuff. And definitely have to get you back on. Like I said, we'll. Uh, I know Austin Kayak has got their uh, demo days coming up, so we'll get you on Tuesday night with Jaron and Andrew and. Uh, I know those guys are going to have nothing but good stuff to say because they're definitely long-distance paddlers. So, um, But uh, here's where we go. We say, what's going on next weekend? What's your game plan? And I'll tell you what, it looks like we're we're looking at uh, a front coming through Atlanta, so I don't know what uh, my game plan is going to be other than staying out of the rain. But, Bill, you got fishing plans? Do you, do you manage to have time to go kayak fishing now that you're doing all this other stuff? Well, actually, um, this weekend I'm going to get an opportunity to do it. The uh, National Heroes on the Water uh, get-together is up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's at a uh, the Alaska Ranch, which has its own private lake. And they've promised me they stock it with fish that jump into your kayak. I can just sit back and not even do anything. But I'll be fishing this weekend. And then the following weekend, where the uh, ACK demo is up in spring, uh, actually, up in Conroe, uh, it's a uh, there's bass in that lake, so I'll be doing a little freshwater fishing um, the next two weekends, and I'm looking forward to that. Awesome, a little sweetwater action there. Very good. Yep. So, and uh, Matt uh, has uh, has things thought out. I saw you you ran a thing. Was that some old pictures of you mounting your uh, bottom machine on your boat, or did you manage to get it out from under all the ice and snow? 
No, those are uh, pictures from last weekend. I, I got the uh, motor installed. I have not tested it yet because Sunday last weekend was freezing again. <laughs> so this weekend don't look too good. Um, we're going to get the same front you guys are, a lot of rain all weekend. But that's okay because I will be at the Jersey Paddler Paddle Sports Show all weekend. And that's um, it, if you're in the tri-state area, stop by and visit us. I'll be at the New Jersey Heroes on the Water booth there. Uh, that's the uh, Paddle Sport Expo at Somerset, New Jersey, at the Garden State Expo Center. Very cool. And, Jim, I put you live on the air, man. What are you doing? How's it going, Godfather? Are you going to um, be going after those carp? You know, it's going to be rainy. I might have to get, you know, electroshock after those things, after I saw them tearing up the black crappy beds. Um. I don't know. We got that front coming in today. I actually fished on the 15th down in Brunswick. I had to run home and do some computer repair for the family. So I caught some sea trout and a dink flounder down in Brunswick. Brought the trout and a redfish, one lower slot red. Brought those back up. The wife and I ate those beginning of last week. Um, I am taking Wednesday off and going to go fishing somewhere. That's the nicest day next week. We got another front coming in on Thursday, the 3rd. So it depends on how much it rains Saturday. Um, I might be tying some flies and doing some chores, getting ready for right. Wednesday when I take that day off. Um, but the black crappie had moved off the bed in the ponds. After the Part of that was grass carp were up there tearing up their beds and trying to eat their eggs. And I tried to snag a couple before I went out of town um, <laughs> just to protect the beds. But um, they're, they're not on the beds anymore. That water still... No. Real cold. I was down there, I think it was the 12th? No, the 11th. I think I went down on the 11th evening. I was down there fishing and saw the grass carp tearing up the black crappie beds and try to snag a couple and keep them off the beds. I was actually trying to catch bass that harassed the crappie at that time, too. And um, I went down today with the dogs and... I don't see any black crappie on any beds right now. I don't know if they finished and moved off or if the weather pushed them back. Um, They're going to try again. It's, it's, you know, that water is still really cold for us this time of the year. Yes, it is. Very cold. Well, hey, there Jeff, it is. I'm, uh, I'm going to head out. So. Okay, Bill, thanks again, man. We appreciate your time, and uh, we look Thank forward you. to... Having you join us again sometime. My pleasure. And Greg, it's good talking with you and, and, and Matt. I don't know if have we met, but uh, I look forward to meeting you if I haven't. Hi, Bill. Take care. We'll be in touch, I'm sure. Thank you. All right. Good night. And that about does it, folks. Uh, another another evening on Buzzard's Row, and we're, uh, again, just uh, a good night. And uh, everybody stay warm. The weather should uh, should be through and, and, and pretty quick. I think actually it's going to be, it might be a decent day on Sunday here. So maybe we'll see what happens. But uh, next week um, we'll be joined by uh, the Florida Navy vet, Mr. Sean Wagoner. I'm going to get him on board with us and uh, – He's, he uh, just did a, a really interesting article for yakangler.com uh, talking about some position location, and we're going to be 
That'll be next week's Tech Talk. We're still going to we got another week of electronics, and so we'll be bringing Sean on board with us. And then I might actually use the uh, the F word next week, so because I I just won't be able to keep myself from doing it because it's it's getting close, man. So we all have yeah, our edit- to bear. That 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 editor at Yak Angler, that guy works so hard. Oh, it's crushing load. It, it's 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 a burden. I know. <laughs> All right then, that'll do it for tonight. Yeah, uh, let's see. Heroes on the water. Yakangler.com. Austin kayak. You know, Monday nights we've got uh, the kickoff with Redfish Chuck. I think we had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the week with uh, Blog Talk Radio, so but he'll be back kicking it off t- next week. On Tuesday nights, you got to shift yourself an hour. Jaron and Andrew from uh, from Texas, they're 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 kicking it, man. Yak fishing Texas is a, is a is a highlight. Uh, on Wednesday, we got the Sweetwater Group with the Low Sodium Show with Mark Wheeler, and then we'll do it again next week. So. Thanks again, everybody. Jim, Matt, you guys uh, enjoy your week. Enjoy the weekends, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take a kid fishing and tight lines, everybody. <laughs>